Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 036. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, how does a bowl of Ben and Jerry's sound to you? Something you'd be interested in? Well, how about five gallons worth of Ben and Jerry's? And maybe that's a little different story. Some things can look so enticing, so good, but we don't think about what they're going to do to us down the road, even if that means 10 minutes later. In this episode, Solomon has some wisdom for his son that he may very well have learned through the School of Hard Knocks. It could be just as valuable for us today. Check it out. But we all face it. We have no choice about it. And maybe for some of us, it's a drink. Maybe for some of us, it's an extra tub of Ben and Jerry's. Maybe it's the second glance in the place where it maybe doesn't belong. The name of the vice may vary among different people, but this side of heaven, we're going to face it. Temptation. The idea of being lured into something that may not be the best thing for us, whether we're talking about physically, spiritually, emotionally. Now, for some temptations, it might not be a big deal. Now, I'm not going to put being tempted to by an extra tub of Ben & Jerry's on the same level as keying your neighbor's car for playing their music too loud. Two different levels, but the same ideas are at play. Temptations can make wise decisions harder. Like it feels like the world is ganging up on us. But when we see temptation for what it is, now whether that is the temptation of the scent of a dessert bakery, or a CD pop-up that comes up on our computer, or the promise of relief, quote-unquote, from a rough day, We can be ready for it when we see it for what it is. And Solomon gives us some advice, some clues on how to do that today. Please pray with me. God, this morning, transform us through your word in the way we need it most. Help us, we pray, through your spirit. Amen. Now Solomon was a wise dad here. And he's telling the story where the scripture goes as he's conveying a message to his son. So it's his father speaking to a son. And so he goes, he's talking about this idea of temptation. He goes for the knockout illustration that any young man can really grab a hold of. A young man being tempted by an attractive, flirty lady. Now this may not be your vice. If so, I get that. But don't check out. Because there are principles that apply within this father's statement to his son that are universal that go to just about any kind of temptation. But Solomon, in his wisdom, he acknowledges how big this topic is, how big the scope of this topic is. And so he says eight different times on both ends of this story, he says some version of, remember what I am saying to you. I've tried, I can't even come up with eight different ways to put this phrase together. And yet he does it because dealing with temptation and understanding temptation is such an important topic. So let's check it out. This comes out of Proverbs 7, uh, verses, tw- verses 6 through 27. It says, For at the window of my house I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple ones, I observed among the youths a young man without sense. This is a young man who is naive. This is another way of thinking of it. He was passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. Then a woman comes to him, decked out like a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward, 
and her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner, she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with impudent face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows, so that I have now come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have decked my couch with coverings, covered, colored spreads of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone away on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him, and he will not come home until full moon. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. Right away, he follows her, and like an ox to the slaughter, or bounds like a stag toward the trap, until an arrow pierces his entrails. He is like a bird rushing into a snare, not knowing it will cost him his life. And now, my children, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Do not let your hearts turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many are those who she has laid low, and numerous are her victims. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this story kind of tells itself, so I don't really have to explain a lot of that. So let's universalize this a little bit. The first thing we can gain about temptation and seeing it for what it is, is this idea of walking into temptation. Get this out of verses 7 through 9. And we have this naive boy who essentially walks into the red light district. Maybe he doesn't know what's around the corner. And sometimes temptation can be like that, where temptation can blindside us. I get it. That happens on occasion. And it can happen often enough that we don't need to walk into it willingly, like we sometimes do. So that's the universal that I draw out of this. If the boy wasn't there, fact is, this whole scenario wouldn't have happened. So the best we can, let's not walk into temptation blindly. For instance, if your vice happens to be a triple whopper with quadruple bacon, and the doctor says, don't do it, then for the love of all things holy, don't walk into Burger King. And especially, here's kind of an extra for you. Don't fool yourself into thinking, I can handle it. It's what I call invincibility syndrome. Where it's like, nothing can stop me. Nothing can tempt me. Nothing can break me. Well, if the fear of God is the start of wisdom, then the first step after that is recognizing you are vulnerable to temptation. And maybe even vulnerable to temptations you never would have thought you were capable of. When we get that, when we accept that truth, then we can start to do something with it because we're seeing reality for what it is and our nature for what it is. Universal number two. Temptation always looks good. Verses 10 through 18, the woman who's talking her sweet talk to this young man. Temptation always looks good, hence why it's tempting. If it wasn't, didn't look good, didn't seem good, well, we probably wouldn't be tempted by it. But here's the fact. And if you get this idea, you'll get this message. Temptation leads to a facade at best. It promises enjoyment. It promises good right here and right now. But it it says nothing about what comes after. And consider the very first temptation that existed. 
the devil tempting Eve in Genesis 3.6, where the verse says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired for making one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The Satan plays his game well. Now, Satan is a beaten foe. I, I fully believe that off of the cross of Christ. Satan is defeated. But he still knows some pretty good tactics here. Satan didn't advertise to Eve, eat this apple and you will wreck your perfect relationship with God. It's not part of Satan's marketing scheme or his campaign. He didn't say you'll lose the Garden of Eden forever. Rather, he says, this is good for you in the mo- this is going to be good in the moment. Afterwards, well, let's not worry about it. afterwards. This is going to be good in the moment. And check out the wording that's used here. There's a delight to her eyes. The tree was to be desired for, to make one's wise. It seems good. It was good for food. All, all words that, that at the moment temptation looks good, but it doesn't tell you about what's going to happen afterwards. That's the part temptation does not tell you. See, if gallons of Ben and Jerry's may sound great rolling off the tongue, like you just, you're salivating thinking about it. Have you ever experienced the stomachache that comes afterwards, after that much ice cream, even as good as it might taste? In frustration, you might be tempted to blow up at your boss or to, to vent at a family member. It may feel good in the moment, but it can leave a wake that takes weeks, maybe even months to recover from. Let's say the boy in this proverb, in this story, takes the bait on the temptation that's offered to him by this woman. The fact is, he may live out a lifetime of regret. So the danger is, we often don't see the facade that temptation is until it's too late. When do we realize that gallons of Ben and Jerry's isn't worth it? When the carton is already in the recycling bin. When do we realize that screaming at a loved one ain't worth it? when we see that pained reaction on their face. And we're left trying to unring this bell, and it just does not work. But if we ask ourselves, and this has to be done in peacetime, this cannot be done in the heat of the moment, because at that point, well, uh, emotions and, and feelings and all that, it's good in the moment, is going to catch up to us. But if we ask ourselves, how is this going to play out? Then we can catch the facade before the facade catches us. And we can see it's not worth it before it's too late. This leads all to the final lie that we have to be able to see through. That sin has no consequences. The woman says to to this young boy, after, after teasing him and baiting him for all these verses, says, my husband is gone. Nobody's home. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody will get hurt. And the boy takes the bait. And the other shoe drops. Out of verses 22 and 23. Right away, the boy follows her and goes like an ox to the slaughter or bounds like a stag toward the trap until the arrow pierces his entrails. He's like a bird rushing into a snare, not knowing it will cost him his life. Similar to that whole previous point that I just made where I said temptation never tells you what comes next. Well, I'll tell you what comes next. Bad things. There's no such thing as a sin without consequence, without some kind of pain that results out of it. Now we're beyond Ben and Jerry's here, so level with me on this. 
If God says, don't do something, there's a good reason behind it. And if wisdom starts with God and God says, don't do X, Y, Z, then there's some kind of connection there between wisdom and not doing whatever God said not to do. See, God isn't this cosmic killjoy, like he's just out to, to bust your good time. He gives us boundaries, among other reasons, to keep us safe, just like parents do with a, with a child. So there's a reason we don't let Leah stick her fingers in, into an electric socket. There's reasons God says, don't take the bait on temptation. Both these things would lead to bad things. So how do we make it through one of those days when it feels like temptation is just hitting us from every kind of direction? Well, I'm going to give you two next steps. These are really things to do that help us out when we're doing them in peacetime. You'll see why in a minute. The first next step for you, make a plan. Consider a temptation that's a struggle for you, whatever that might be. Now, what's the setting that brings that on? What's the setting that tempts you into that situation? It's like a recovering alcoholic who says, I can't go into XYZ restaurant because they had my favorite bar there. So we can plan in peacetime so that how to minimize the temptation so that we're avoiding the, the scenario, the setting, where we would be tempted. Now it sounds like a no-brainer. Like it should just be kind of a duh thing. And it is when we plan it in peacetime. When we're not trying to do it in the heat of the moment. Of course, that's the point. Do it in peacetime. Second idea. Stay close to God. Here's the truth. Here, here's something to hang on to. When we're fighting temptation, God is 100% on our side. He's not like some cold test proctor who's hoping to catch you up with a trick, with a trick question. He wants to help you through. Hence why we have our memory verse for this week out of 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says that no temptation will seize you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But even when you are tempted, he will give you a way out so you can stand up under it. God's on your side in this. And if we stay close, we'll not only find the way out that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians, but we'll also be alerted to the way in so that God can help us avoid the temptation before we even step into it. See, temptation and sin, they're close cousins with each other. And God gave you his son to defeat sin in your life. God gave you his spirit to defeat temptation in your life. So let's take it. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. On next week's episode, if you had the power to change the world, would you use it? The playing field is more level than you might think, as most of us have some capacity for using words. These words can have the very power to them, the chance to change the world or at least somebody's life for good or for bad. Now how we use them, what kind of impact they will have, that's where wisdom comes in. Find out more next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.